be willing to bet that most of us here um, have smartphones. Smartphones, they're everywhere. Um, we have all, all you can argue whether it's a good or a bad thing that we always have this ability to connect always, everywhere, whenever we want, to whatever we want. Um, there's good that can come out of it. There's bad that can come out of it. One of the good things I think that came out of it, one good thing, um, is that we have an ability to access good things all the time, right? We have the ability to access things like sacred scripture, Bible apps galore on the app store or whatever you have. And I hope everyone's got a Bible app. Um, there's one particular Bible app. They're, what they do is that they're able to track the metrics of like, what do you search? How long are people reading the Bible? What passages are being searched for? And every year, they release like the, the most searched for Bible app of the year. I mean, most searched Bible verse of the year on this particular app. And so it's, for most of the years, it's usually one of the ones that we all know. So John 3.16, right? Um, for God so loved the world, that he sent his only son, that we might not die but have eternal life, right? That's a frequent contender. The one from Jeremiah where it says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to make you prosper and succeed. Um, another one of the top contenders. This past year, for 2020, the number one most searched Bible verse was not one of the ones that we've normally heard. Um, it's an obscure, more obscure passage in Isaiah. It's actually Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, which when I heard that, I had to go look it up because I didn't know what Isaiah 41, verse 10 was. Um, but I looked it up. In the passage, this is the most searched for Bible passage of 2020 on this particular Bible app. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Isaiah 41, verse 10. That was the most searched for Bible passage in all, in all, on this Bible app in all, of, all the, of all the passages in the Bible. I think that speaks a lot to what we're searching for, what we were searching for throughout this past year, the desires that were on our heart. Fear not. Be not dismayed. Be not afraid. I am your God. I am with you. This recognition that I'm, I'm looking for this because I want something to remind me I'm obviously weighed down by fear. I'm weighed down by anxiety. I'm weighed down by worry. And I need a reminder that, that God is actually here. It speaks a lot about, I think, where, each, where we are as the people and where each one of us probably is. Um, as we wrestle with, with the, the, the anxieties that are on our heart. The first line of the second reading, St. Paul said something very similar. He said, brothers and sisters, I, don't want you to have, I want you to be free from anxieties. I don't want you to have any anxiety at all. I think all of us would agree. Like None of us likes to be weighed down by anxiety, by fear, by shame, by darkness, by whatever it is that puts a very real weight on our heart, and, and it, we don't like that. Like No one says, I want to be anxious. Like that, we don't like to have that weight. We desire to have a heart that's free, a heart that's secure, a heart that's able to, to have this joy, this lightness about it, so that we can, we can seek things and do things without being weighed down by all these, these, these distractions and these anxieties and these worries. In the gospel passage that we heard today, Jesus casting out this demon, we learned something very important about that anxiety and something very important about, okay, what do we do about it? And ironically, we learn that from, from the demon. The demon in the gospel says something very important. We hear lots of passages and lots of examples of Jesus casting out demons in the scriptures. And most of the time, they always say kind of what we heard in the gospel today. They usually say one of two things. First thing they do is that they acknowledge who Jesus is. They know that Jesus is God. They say, I know who you are, Jesus, the Holy One, the Son of God. 
Ironically, it's usually the demons that are the first to recognize. They know who Jesus is before the apostles, before the scribes and Pharisees, the disciples. They're the ones who see who Jesus is. And then he's asked a very important question. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What have you to do with us? I think that question gets to like the very heart of like the fundamental temptation that everything else springs from. Jesus, what do you have to do with me? What do you really have to do with all the things that are going on in my life, all these things that weigh me down, all these things that bring me anxiety, fear, worry, shame? What do you have to do with that? I think that's getting at the fundamental temptation from which all the things that we do that turn us away from the Lord spring from. That belief that the, the, the answer to that question is, is nothing. Jesus doesn't have anything to do with the things that I'm going through right now. That God and Jesus, he's up there doing his thing, and I'm here fending for myself, trying to navigate all the situations that I face, the things that I struggle with, the things that weigh me down, make me anxious, make me worried or afraid. That I have to go and navigate this and figure this out all by myself. The fundamental temptation. He wants to plant that seed of doubt. God is not, has nothing to do with that. So you're on your own. Good luck. And when we're in that place, that's when, okay, if, if, God, if I'm on my own, then I have to do for myself. And so I'm going to reach out and grasp at all these various things to try to solve the problems that I'm facing. The whole reason that Jesus came, the whole reason that he became man, came to came, preached, suffered, died, rose from the dead, the whole reason that he came was to prove that that statement, that lie, is 100% without a doubt categorically false in every situation. He came to remind us definitively over and over and over again that God is with us in every situation, no matter what, whatever we did, wherever we are, God is there. That he is never going to not be there. He's never going to give up being with us. There's nothing that we can do or say or think or whatever that's going to make him get tired of continuing to be there. And that his plan that he has for each one of our lives is always, like, always going to come to fruition. As no matter what we do, we can't mess up so badly that God's plan for us is thrown off course. God is, so, God is not bound by, by the powers of evil. It's not this equal footing. He is always there, no matter what. Jesus came to remind us of that definitively, to let that truth sink more deeply into my heart, and he comes to repeat that again and again and again, because we're hard-headed people, and it's really hard for us to really believe that when push comes to shove. That's the whole reason that Jesus came. And the devil, the enemy, knows that that's our weak spot. He knows that from the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, that was what made them reach out. They didn't think God was with them. They didn't trust that God would provide for them. So they reached out and grasped for themselves. Jesus came to show us more than anything that the answer to that question, what does he have to do with me? He has everything to do with me. He, in every aspect of my life, desires to be with me, to speak and to guide, to, and to guide me. Each gospel kind of has like a, a particular character to it. And that character, is, uh, the scholars say that's revealed in the first public thing that Jesus does. In Mark, we just heard the first public thing that Jesus did, casting out a demon. That reveals to us that Jesus knows 
that we are plagued by, by anxieties, by demons, by worries, by darkness, by fears. And he came not just to, to sit with us while we're, doing, by, while we're suffering in that. He came to do that. But he also came to cast it out. To show that he has power over that. Those elements of darkness and worry have nothing to do but to flee at the word of Jesus. It's a battle that he came to fight and to win for us. And if that's our weak point, the weak point is that we doubt that God is there, then we know where we need to focus and we know where we need to prepare as we go into battle with him. Three things, I think, that we pull out of this gospel passage today that's really important for us to remember. If we're weighed down by these things, we want those things to be cast away. Three super important things that we hear in the gospel today that it's important to remember. First is that notice the people, they're struck by the fact that Jesus came and preached with authority. Right? He came with a certain power in his words, and they noticed that. Unlike the scribes and the Pharisees, he came with a certain power and authority in his words. Jesus, in a very real way, has authority over them, over the demons, over darkness, over fear and anxiety. It's not like an equal footing of good versus evil. Sometimes God's winning, sometimes evil's winning, and we're, we're, in, a, we're in a deadlock. God is infinitely more powerful than anything else. God is infinitely more powerful than the devil. Any kind of temptation or weight that, that clings to our hearts, it has to. It has no choice but to flee at the word of Jesus. It has to. As, we, as his light comes, the darkness can't help but go away. As we're struggling with whatever we're struggling with in, in life, whether it's, um, whether it's sin, whether it's fear, shame, anxiety, it's easy to feel like I'm trapped there. I can't get out of it. There's nothing I can do. And then I'm just, I just submit. There's no, there's no other way out. There's no hope. I'm here. That's not true. God, in every moment, always and everywhere, gives us the grace that we need to overcome. He gives us the grace that we need to overcome whatever the trial is, to be with him, to recognize his presence, and to let his light come into our hearts. It's easy to think that I I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to get out. God always gives us the grace. The enemy attacks that so we don't think we can. And it's not our own power and our own ability to white-knuckle or to overcome whatever we're going through. It's our surrender and our ability to recognize that Jesus really is there. He has the power. If I allow myself and I unite myself to that, he has the authority that whatever it is has to flee. There's no, it may not feel like it in the moment, for sure, but he's there at every moment. He has the authority. Second thing, we didn't actually hear it in the gospel, but it happened right before the gospel. Before Jesus came to cast out these demons, he did something very important. He called disciples to follow him. He called people to be with him as he went into the battle. Because he wanted to show us that this battle isn't something that we can go into alone. I can't go into this this life of discipleship, of of combating the things that oppress me to be with Jesus isn't something that I can do by myself. I, in a very real way, need people with me and around me to support me, to encourage me, to hold me accountable. My faith can't just be an isolated thing. Having relationships in my life that I really and truly do lean on gives us something indispensable. 
Jesus doesn't want us to go through it alone, or even just kind of like a me and him thing. Having a band of brothers or a band of sisters with us is incredibly important to recognizing the presence of Jesus, because so often he acts both indirectly in my heart, but he acts through the words of another, through the invitation of somebody else. Through an act of kindness, an act of charity, we can see God perhaps the most clearly that we've ever seen him in another person. It's essential that we don't lose that. Jesus is trying to show that to us. We can't do it on our own. He so often works through those who he's placed in our life. So to lean on that, rely on that, and allow ourselves to be supported by that. And the last thing, the single most sure way, the most powerful way, if I'm plagued by something, if I have the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the sin, the shame in my heart, Jesus, like we said, has the authority to speak to that. Whatever I bring to the light, the darkness has to flee. That's the power that Jesus has. The most powerful way, the most sure way that I can do that, whatever I bring to him, truly in my heart, in the sacrament of confession, he wipes away. We all have a desire deep within us. We want to be, we want to be loved securely, be known for fully for who we are, we don't like to hold things in the dark because those are the very things that weigh us down. God desires to come into those spaces, but he's never going to force his way in. He's never going to push us faster than we're ready to go, but he waits. The surest way to win the battle, it's not about overpowering and having the most power being stronger than the demons because we're not. They're smarter than us. But we have to always remember who has the real power and where the real power lies. And if I just open my heart fully to allow that, that real power, that real grace to come in, that's where, the real, that's where the real victory is. Not in my kind of going into battle, but my opening my heart to allowing Jesus to come into that. Whatever I bring to him, the more I receive that love, that's, that's the most powerful way to cast out whatever the thing is. Jesus, more than anything, desires us to really believe that, to really know that, that that's the, that's the truth that he comes to speak today as he, as, he, as he reveals that in this gospel. It's not about power. It's not about trying to win. It's about receiving the love that he has for us. As we come to Mass today, wherever we're at, whatever the anxiety is, we ask God, like, God, we don't, we don't want to fear. And he speaks those words that he speaks to the prophet Isaiah. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. I'm with you. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. That's his promise to us. All that's left to us is to allow him to do it. If we allow him to do it, he's a God who always and everywhere keeps that promise. May we, may we receive the grace to open our hearts to receive the promise that he has for us today.